I'm Chelsea Bay. And I'm Shay. Together, we are Fulfillment. Fulfillment is a storytelling event featuring local community leaders and entrepreneurs who share their personal journey towards fulfillment through vocation that will challenge you to come alive. The following stories are true, and no one's identity has been protected. Here's Fulfillment Stories podcast number 38. Julie Green has volunteered in Kenya at a refugee camp working to empower women affected by HIV. She has worked on organic farms and with herbal medicine and then began working with Munson Hospice in 2012. She has earned her certificate in end-of-life doula training and helped to promote the Death Cafe in Leelanau County. Here's Julie's story for the May 2017 event. She, She walked in... And I'm, you know, I'm, I just, I knew she's a hospice nurse um, here in Traverse City and has traveled the world and, and done lots of amazing things. But she walked in the other day at a rehearsal night and I just said, I know you. And it, it turns out, and she wasn't allowed to tell me this at first, but she was there at my grandpa's death a year ago. She was there when he could be at his home. On Old Mission Peninsula, he, didn't, he wanted to be home. And he was home, and he was 94 years old. He played hockey till he was 85, and she was a part of that story. And now she gets to share her story with you. This is really awesome. Yeah. I was so nervous. But you guys got up there. You did a great job. Thanks for making me cry, Chris. I feel ready. Okay, okay. I'm probably going to have to read because I'm still a little scared, but okay. Closer? Yeah. Is this good? Okay, can we turn these lights off? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you so much for being present tonight. I am so very excited to talk with you about my work in hospice because I don't get the opportunity to do so. All of us are protected by privacy laws, so I can't talk about my work. I also find that talking about my work makes people uncomfortable so I often remain quiet, but not tonight. And I hope that you all get a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, when I saw the posters come out, I noticed that it's, the slogan was like, come alive. It's right behind me, and I was just like kind of cracking up because I'm just going to talk about dying, and I just, I don't know. <laughs> so let's see what happens. Okay. Um, I'm not really sure how I came to be a hospice nurse, but I know that it's the only thing that I want to do. It brings my life so much fulfillment. It's my passion, and I'm so grateful to have found my passion. As a child, my parents did not shy away from exposing me to the aging, sick, or dying. Thanks, Mom. She's here today. They often took me to nursing homes, funerals, and I was involved in my grandparents' care. They instilled in me a sense of respect for our elders that is a very big part of my person today. I experienced multiple natural deaths as a youth in my family. I was was present when my grandfather's body was found and remember waking up to, to phone calls announcing the passing of a relative in the middle of the night. I have only experienced one traumatic death in my life, and it is something that remains with me and has helped to shape my being. I was 14 years old, and I was spending the night at my best friend's house. She lived down the street, and this is a really important family in my life. I'm an only child, so 
many families kind of adapted me. And they lived right down the street, so I was there often in my childhood. So they really, you know, we were really close. Um, me and my best friend were being teenagers. We were eating junk food. It was past midnight. We were staying up watching MTV. It was the 90s, so it was still really good at that time. <laughs> and there was a knock on the door. I answered the door to a policeman. And my best friend and I went, and we woke up her parents. And their 20-year-old son just died in a car accident. Every detail about that night is still clear to me. But the most searing memory I have is when my best friend's mom, my second mom, offered her husband coffee. She said, do you want me to make us coffee? And her voice cracked just as mine is now. This was the last thing I heard as I ran home barefoot. The unthinkable has just happened. She just lost her only son, and she has the strength to know it is going to be a long night, and they are going to need coffee to survive. About five years after this life-changing incident, I went away to college. I went to Central Michigan, and I was one of those undecided freshmen. It was really fun. <laughs> um, I mostly learned how to do keg stands and throw a frisbee. My cousin Laura was there. She could talk about that, too. <laughs> Um, but after the first year, I realized this is really time-consuming, this is really expensive, I really want to make this count. So I decided that I should figure out what I want to be when I grow up. So I took one of those tests, you know, it's like a vocational test, you answer all these questions on the computer, it took a couple hours, and the answer that this test gave me was that I was supposed to be an occupational therapist. Now, at the time, I had no idea what an occupational therapist was. I honestly thought that an occupational therapist is a therapist that tells you what you should be when you grow up. And I was super pissed because I had wasted all this time. I was just really mad. So I'm walking home from, to my dorm, and I'm just like, eh, man, that didn't work out. And... <laughs> I was like, well, I kind of really like those science questions, and I really liked those helping people questions, so I'll just be a nurse. And I never thought about nursing before, but it was visceral. It was like a cellular experience. I was wearing this, these pink boots. I looked down at my pink boots, and I felt the blood rush to my head, and the blood back down, and that was it. I never changed my mind. I don't know what happened in those pink boots, but that's what happened. That's... That's why I'm a nurse. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be a nurse, but maybe I should do something nursey just to make sure, like, you know, this is really what I want to do. So I went to um, our local hospice organization, and I did volunteer training, and I got my first gig. And uh, my first gig was to spend the night overnight with a woman who was dying. So it's called respite. Uh, many hospices do offer this. And I need a drink of water. <laughs> Thanks. I just realized I was getting really nervous, so I'm going to take this drink of water. Okay. 
Back to reading. Okay, back to reading. Okay. Okay. Okay, my job was to stay overnight with a little old lady who was dying so that her family could leave and get some much-needed rest. It's called respite. There were two goals, to keep her safe and to keep her company. So it was about 3 a.m., and she was asleep, and I'm getting bored. So I was like, I'll go do her laundry. That'll be helpful. I gather it all up, and I head to the door of her apartment to use the community laundry room. I heard a significant click as I walked out of her apartment, and the door locked behind me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I had just locked myself out of the woman's apartment that I was not supposed to leave alone. Shit. (laughs) It's the middle of the night. I'm in northern Michigan. I'm barefoot. I have no coat, and I have no key. I'm 19 years old, and I have no idea what to do. I actually put the laundry in the laundry machine to try to, you know, I was like behind my time, like trying to figure out what to do, put the laundry in. Okay, so I heard a plow truck outside, and I ran outside, and I flagged him down, and the plow truck happened to be the property manager, and he happened to have a key, so I got back in. It's only gone for about 10 minutes, but it felt like forever, but I passed. I passed my first gig. Yeah. So... Um, It just so happens that this hospice organization gives out an award every year to a volunteer that deals with the unexpected. It's called (laughs) the Pretty Pansy Award. I won. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The Pretty Pansy Award is an old metal bedpan, and it has these fake pansies coming out of it. You know, and so... I kind of forgot about this story until I started thinking about this event, and I realized this is a huge foreshadowing for what it's like to be a nurse. So, as a nurse, I deal with a lot of shit, literally and figuratively. I also have the unique privilege to see so much beauty in an intimate way. I get to see the best of people during the worst of times. My work has brought me into many homes to drink coffee with many strong mothers, fathers, spouses, daughters, and sons keeping vigil as their beloved does the work of letting go. I work after hours, which means I show up in the middle of the night to tend to the dying. My primary job is to teach people how to care for those who are experiencing the last days of their life. I teach families who may or may not have had any caregiving experience how to change soil linens, how to give medication, what to expect, how to provide comfort, and finally, the sacred job of washing the body. When people find out what I do, the common answer is, it takes a special person to do that type of work. (laughs) I feel really embarrassed when I hear this, because truly, the special people who are doing the most work are the families we serve and the patients themselves. How many of you wish to die at home? Okay, I'd say most. Your family and friends must help you. There must be people to help you die peacefully at home. In the future, I would love to offer a class to those who may be anticipating caring for dying parents or aging parents or sick loved ones. 
practical tools and tips to make the work of caregiving less stressful. Not only are our families grieving, their life is disrupted, they are sleep deprived, and they have to do incredibly, the incredibly challenging work of caregiving. We have classes for all types of things, cooking, painting, childbirth. I would really like to support our community by offering a class on how to care for the dying so that when the work does come, it is easier to see its gifts and not so much of the hardship. All right. Stay tuned. I'm, trying, I'm going to try to get my partner in crime, Nancy Gallagher, to do this with me. <laughs> she is my friend, my mentor, an excellent hospice nurse. I look up to her so much, and she's here tonight. <laughs> Sorry to embarrass you. <laughs> How am I doing on time? It's okay? Okay, all right. Okay. Okay. The biggest challenge in my work is being on call. My work hours are really zany. My family, my friends, and my wife have all been super supportive and understanding. I often have to leave them during the most special times to go be with other people's families. My patients teach me that love and relationships are the most important thing. My relationships are burdened because my work takes me away from the ones I love the most. So thank you so much, friends and family, for helping me to do the work that fulfills me so much. You see, I do not believe that hospice work is sad. Sure, there are incredibly sad moments, but there are so many moments that reveal the richness of life. Many profound things happen in hospice work. We've had several patients get married. Our patients have skydive. They've gone on hot air balloon rides. They've gotten tattoos. It was actually the same person, the hot air balloon and the tattoo, but yeah, she was really cool. Okay. I have provided care to people in mansions, in cabins, and I also had the pleasure of providing care in an Airstream camper. It was awesome. The most profound moments, however, truly are the small ones the intimate moments where we are just people together. There is nothing between us. Death does that. It strips everything away. Human beings just being. Moments when I'm holding hands with my patient, watching the QVC channel when she can't sleep, eating popsicles, watching Judge Judy, and talking about the decision to stop CPR, or drinking iced tea in the sunshine made by my patient who could no longer drink. My patients help me to pay attention to the present moment because seriously, this might be their last conversation, their last sip of water, or even their last breath. I help my patients die and they help me live. Our relationship is interconnected. I am not who I am without them. Going to work is a humbling moment. There is nothing like having a bad day. Car won't start lost my glasses, that kind of happens every time I leave for work, but, or I'm just plain moody. And then I go into work. And you can imagine how that puts life into perspective. This year I have experienced depression and unexpected grief in my personal life. My dying patients helped me to survive. When I was feeling sorry for myself or I didn't get my way, 
I still had to go to work. And I still had to look into the eyes of, their dying, of the dying. And they truly taught me how to see. They were really not getting their way. Things were really not working out for them. And I learned. And there are so many more lessons. One of the most important lessons I learned is that the dying teach me to stand in uncomfortable places and find light. One night, I could not take a, per- a person's pain away before they died. The medications were not enough. My patient died in pain, which is actually very rare in hospice care. I called my manager at Munson Hospice, which is the team, the amazing team I work for, for support for the guilt I was feeling. She said something that I use every day. She says, sometimes the most courageous thing that you can do is just be with someone through their pain. That it is impossible to take it all away. But if you do not shy from it, it will help you. It, it will, if you do not shy from it, you will be there to lessen their burden. Death is messy, hard, and stressful. It can also be joyful, peaceful, and healing. Death is just like life. My goal was to try to convey to you how death was a normal part of life. Instead, what happened to me is that talking about my experiences solidified in me that death is more than normal. It is sacred because life is sacred. And I also actually figured out that I am a special person. (laughs) But wait, but wait, but wait, but wait, wait. I am special not in the way that you would think. I am special because I am privileged, because I am blessed, because I am so very lucky to get to do such special sacred sacred work. Whew. Okay, we're almost done. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. I really hope to not show up at your door. You really don't want me to be there. But if I do show up, I promise to convey to you how much I love you, how much I love the work that I'm doing, and how much I care about the present moment that we share. Okay, here's my challenge. My challenge for you tonight is to find your own pansies in your bedpan. (laughs) To grow something good out of all that shit. Yes. I wanted to end tonight with a moment of silence for those who have passed, but I decided it would be more appropriate to make a joyful noise. So I'll need your help. Hip, hip! <laughs>